This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Hey, he's trying to call you. Hi, this is Judith Bryles, and welcome to another edition of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. And I had an experience I wanted to share with you. I, I write for Joel Friedlander's blog, and I finally put up, and that's the book designer.com, and I do a once a month special blog for him. And I've been wanting to write about this for a long, long time. So I put up a blog finally um, on the uh, uh, the princess author. And I've actually mentioned um, the, the princess author uh, many, many times. But the, and the princess author has no gender. There's no gender to this person. Um, what they are is someone who really wants to be kept. They want to be told that everything they write is fabulous, that guaranteed they're going to sell a million books, that, you know, the laundry list goes on. Surely this is the next thing after Harry Potter or The Twilight or Fifty Shades or Gone with the Wind would be embarrassed um, with what you're putting out, that you're so superior to them, etc., etc. And that, so I went up and wrote it up, and it's become quite spirited since it rolled out last night. And we We've had just a ton of comments and going back and forth. And, and one of them, a couple of them, took great offense because I used the word princess because they thought it was just awfully politically incorrect and that I was continuing to uh, do the gender thing. And I said, well, I just couldn't come up with a good neutral word that would be catchy to get their attention to do the lead-in. And what's important, what I'm saying here, is when you're writing, whether it's a blog, an article, whether you're uh, even you know a title for a video that you're putting out, uh, your book, you've got to have a catchy thing to grab people's attention that says, say what? Say what? You know, wait a minute, tell me more. And the the princess author certainly did it. So I would encourage you all to go to the bookdesigner.com and um and, and just you know it's it's the top blog right now and just see what I did. So with that said, we're not going to be talking about princesses today. We're going to talk about how to make a rock and roll talk with this new, new thing that is, uh, it's, well, it's not so new, new. It may be new if you haven't followed any of these superb short talks that you can find on YouTube, the TED and the TEDx. And my guest today is Haley Foster. She is the author of a little, really a little gem of a book called Don't Tank Your TED Talk. And her expertise is creating messages that matter and showing and coaching you how to do it. So she's known as the short talk expert. She's going to be joining us right now. Hi, Haley. How are you? Terrific. I'm speaking to you from the snowpocalypse. The snowpopolis. Yes, we are. We're in the snowpopolis. 
Well, we are actually the center of, uh, we've got about nine inches here, which is totally unheard of for us. Oh, well. We have no uh, municipal support for something like this. <laughs> I, you know what? You don't. I remember one time being in the uh, in North Carolina, and they were expecting the snow, you know, a light snow coming in. And being from Colorado, you know, it's like ho hum. And right. they, they literally had the trash, uh, the the uh, trash pickup people at the edge of town waiting to start doing plowing for this inch of snow that was expected, which is amusing to me since I shoveled another foot off my driveway this morning, and it, it's going to be snowing again here in another hour. So, oh, well. I have to say that this is the worst it's been in 15 years I've lived here. Ah, well, the weather's changing. I mean, people who keep saying it's not, I think they need to get over that. But let, let's jump into some of the changing things that are happening. Um, and sure. So you're, you're, you're in the middle of the, I could say firestorm, but maybe we'll say the snowstorm. <laughs> and that 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 what's happening with the whole speaking circuit, which I have been, you know, I was on the platform for over 30 years talking about my books, and there was no such thing as this thing called a short talk. In fact, we talked and we talked and we talked, and a keynote was never less than 45 minutes. Typically, very often they went to 90 minutes, and, you know, I could do an all-day workshop and, you know, take a couple of tea breaks, and I was good to go. And that's all evolved. So just give us some, Haley, I think it would be very cool to just give us a background of how did the TED Talk concept start? So that's really a good question because I find that the people who are the ones who need to know will be the least likely to raise their hand and say, I don't know. So let's mm -hmm. just get everyone on the same page. And a lot of times when I say what I do, uh, people will say, you coach speakers for TED, TED who? So let's just start at the beginning. Uh, Ted was the brainchild of Richard Saul Warman, and he started it in 1984. He put together conferences to bring people together from three different worlds, technology, entertainment, and design, which is the uh -huh. D-E-D of Ted. Got it. I get it. So there were these conferences that – it had invited audiences, very specific audiences, and they hit on a short talk format of 6, 12, or 18 minutes, and they had people from these different areas give a talk, and then they had long periods of interaction so that they could cross-pollinate ideas, and it was pretty cool. But it was a small conference, and it caught the attention of Chris Anderson, who was at the time a, a magazine publishing entrepreneur in the U.K., and he bought it. He turned it into a nonprofit, and then he broadened the content to include world-renowned experts from every field. So we expanded from technology, entertainment, and design to anybody who had an extraordinary idea, who was very interesting, and, uh, and the format was to let them communicate what they're passionate about in a situation that was untainted by corporate influence. And the same idea of the invited audience and long periods of interactions where people could cross-pollinate ideas. So that's how TED got started. And it was really great for the lucky few people who could attend a TED conference, but um, that wasn't that many people. It was two conferences. One started in Monterey, and then one, uh, they moved it to Long Beach, and then one, I think, was in Edinburgh. And so... It went along and it was doing well, but it was just really kind of elite. Uh, then in 2006, this thing called podcasting happened. And 
June Cohen, who is still the media director, this brilliant woman, she had an idea to post a few of the selected talks from the annual TED convention in Long Beach or, you know, TED Global, and put it on the organization's homepage. So say she, I think it was six talks that she put up on the conference homepage to see what would happen, and it crashed the website. So they thought, hmm, we're on to something. So by 2007, TED.com was born, the TED.com that we know today. And it garnered about a million and a half views worldwide in the first year. Now remember, 2007, that was unheard of. In 2015, it was humongous. Right. 2015, like, oh, went viral? Well, so what? No, really, nobody was on. So that was really something. By 2012, November of 2012, TED surpassed a billion views. So that's pretty pretty much something. So what happened? Pretty awesome. Pretty yeah, it was pretty awesome. And there was this select group of people who followed called Tedsters, (laughs) who were following all these short talks and were had it it had captured their imagination. And what happened was they they wanted to expand the opportunity for ideas were spreading free to the world and untainted by corporate influence. But it is a nonprofit, and it's pretty lean. I've been to the headquarters um, on the Hudson in New York, and it really is a lot of hardworking people working many, many hours to do this. And they're very dedicated, and rather than take on more conferences themselves, they got this idea that they would create a license that worthy organizations could put on TED-style events. And they put out a beta, like, okay, we're going to do this thing. They sent out an email to the Tedsters, and one of those people was Steve Kraft, uh, who I am married to. And he, at the time, worked for NASA, and he got the license for TEDx NASA. And within 20 minutes, they called and said, what do you mean NASA wants a license? And so um, ours was one of the very first TEDx events. And what happened is in uh, it's, it's become a community-based thing. When we started it, we had no idea what to do or how to do it because we were some of the first people. So I'm one of the original TEDx organizers, and the way that I started coaching is I knew that we were going to have these science speakers who are used to, as you think, they were used to lecturing for three hours, and they had seven minutes. How yeah. were we are going to ensure that the program was solid? So I created a way solid. to coach them. Yeah. Yeah, and not only solid, but also the the always the nightmare of a meeting planner. Since since uh, we should tell all our listeners that Haley will be one of the featured speakers at the Author You Extravaganza May. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, oh, we're we're very excited about having you coming. But one of the things is that the nightmare for a meeting planner is that when someone decides to go over. And I had that actually with an opening speaker a couple of years ago who went 20 minutes over, which totally frizzles the rest of the day until you have a smart speaker who can say, I know how to fix this. And, and you know, Haley, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back and get into some of the nitty-gritty, including some of the critical mistakes that speakers make in trying to do this transition. You're listening to Author You. This is your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Riles. My guest is Haley Foster today.
Smith is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book. Some of us even have. Then the hard work starts. You'll need an editor. Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze. They've helped more than a thousand authors create top quality books and avoid the not so reputable self publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com. Then call Michelle at 602 866 1106 Design. Is there a book in you or another author you will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked? If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author U today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author U on Twitter at Author U and on Facebook at Author U, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author U, where the author goes to become seriously successful. are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All righty. So we're talking about the new phenom that if you're going to be speaking about your book, which you should be, because when you speak on your books about your book, positioning yourself as the expert, go to, I don't care if it's fiction or nonfiction, 
Talking sells books. People want to take you home with them. And, and that's how I moved, you know, hundreds of thousands of books through my career. So with this is Haley Foster, who she's known as the short talk expert. And she has coached hundreds individuals of that, that went forward with TEDx presenting and that you your listener, you know, my listeners are really the ideal candidate to speak to someone, learn from someone like Haley. She's going to be at the Author You Extravaganza, May seven through nine. If, if there was a reason, I can tell you the uh, I, we've got people who have booked some tickets from Memphis, Tennessee yesterday. They were able to fly to Denver for under a hundred dollars round trip. How cool is that? Is that, I hope have you got your tickets yet, Haley? <laughs> oh yeah, I got my okay. tickets as soon as we agreed. I'm very yeah. excited to be there. Yeah, great. Okay, so let's talk about some of these things. So we've got a little bit of history, which I didn't know, and I'm thrilled to have that. So so what's the impact? Let's just get into it. So what has Ted done to change our uh, current culture as it is for learning, uh, well, since, education? Right. So Ted, it's permeated po- popular culture now, and it's also changed what the public expects from speakers. And so yeah, conferences, associations, Corporations who are putting together their own events, they're all asking for a TED-style talk. And also, um, it started this wave of expecting really high-quality information delivered in a short format. And, you know, the public now can just swipe in 30 seconds. They don't get it. They're not interested. You're gone. So we could, of course, talk about this forever. But what we will say is that we know that authors who speak sell more books as Jesus was saying, and it's very important to be prepared with what the public is willing to hear. So one of the highest profile ways you can promote your book is by speaking at a TEDx event, although you're typically asked as an expert, and then you just happen to have a book. But you wouldn't (laughs) have a book if you weren't an expert, if you see how that works. Mm -hmm. Or you may create one really fast. (laughs) Well, that's possible. I'll tell you, uh, there is a fellow, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, David, David Bezapel, who created this series called Contagious Optimism, which the volume two just came out. It was featured in Reader's Digest as one of the top 20 reasons that uh, 2014 would be better for us all. Now we're in 2015. And he did a talk at TEDx Delray Beach in 2013 that I coached him for, and we knew that he was going to have to do a book tour. So we created a TED-style talk that would promote the book so that when he was finished, he could use it on the tour. Well, how fabulous is that? I mean, it's called repurposing, 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 so, which is what you want to do. So it is it is the way, and that it's always good to be able to. I've been in situations where, as I as we you know went out to the segue to the first break, is that um, at my conference a couple of years ago, the opening speaker just blatantly stood up there and said, "I'm going to run 30 minutes over, and too bad." You know, and I wanted to get the hook and yank him off. I didn't care how big he was. Uh, <laughs> and what it, it puts huge pressure on. And, you know, a savvy speaker really recognizes, uh, you know, who follows that it's been out there and has some legs to them, will recognize what's going on and can do trimming and get things back on track instead of keep going everything over and creating chaos for the rest of the day. And I know well, I've actually, certainly done it. Well, actually, that's a great it. segue into 
the difference between a short talk and a TED style talk. Can I go into that for a moment? Absolutely. Let's do that. All right. And, so and let's talk short, the minutes. You know, what is the minutes that a short talk is versus okay, a TED so talk? So a short talk refers to the length of time it takes to deliver the talk. So any talk that's given in 20 minutes or less is a short talk. So a TED talk is a short talk, but a short talk is not necessarily a TED style talk. There is a okay. distinction. So Alrighty. in the case that you were saying, and this is what sparked my my thoughts on this, is that a speaker who's giving an abbreviated version of their keynote is not giving a TED-style talk. They're giving a short talk. And it could mm-hmm. be a fabulous short talk. And in the case that uh, you had mentioned where somebody else went over and a savvy mm-hmm. speaker can save the meeting by trimming their own talk, knowing what they can take out and still have a successful presentation, that ends up being a short talk. So also, I like a top ten list which could be very value-rich. That's a great short talk, but it's not a TED-style talk. Mm-hmm. Um, a CEO that's uh, maybe communicating their vision to their board of directors or their staff, a demonstration of a new product being brought to market. These are all short talks, and they're great, but they're not TED-style talks. A TED-style talk is one that communicates a single new idea we're spreading with support and resonance, in the TED style. And if you've been online, you know all TED Talks are not the same. There are many kinds of TED Talks. Some are compelling stories. Uh, we'll get, like, uh, a call for community action, maybe a new twist on an old idea. Um, we do get demonstrations of cool technologies. But they are one idea supported by analogies and stories. It's not... Uh, something that has lots of strands to it. When you walk away from that TED Talk, you can repeat what that was about, what the compelling core message is. And, and that's what, um, I mean, that's a critical thing, the ahas that stick to you versus getting lost and everything. And I know I've, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of TED Talks. And I always love the ones that, that uh, actually, I love humor. I love it when they can use some humor in. Um, and, and I've seen people dance around on stages and be a little funky who are, you know, really dead serious topics but they just bring it together and they end up engaging everyone and it's huge in 18 minutes or less correct and and when you think about that you have to think about all the components that go into a ted style talk so you have your your physical pieces of the talk right so you have content and then you have visuals and then you have delivery and and one thing i'm very Uh, adamant about is we do not decorate our talks. Mm -hmm. So we only use visuals if visuals are helpful to move the story along. If it can tell me something that I couldn't say that fast, then we use it. And we'll go into that more as we get into the conversation about mistakes people make. Uh, You know, I I love that you bring that up because that um, as an, you know, certainly participant and observer of TED Talks that, and and someone who's been out there for a long time speaking, that when you're on some of these stages, when you have a screen behind you that is so huge (laughs) and overwhelming that for um, an amateur speaker, it can really become extraordinarily distracting and overwhelming to them. And so sometimes this is a, a, a really example of when less is actually more. 
Well, and also when I, I work, I have a, a sub uh, specialty in working with professional speakers. I've worked with over 100 professional speakers for sure. And a lot of them don't use visual, and they think because they're doing a TED-style talk or a TEDx talk, they have to. This is really not the time to experiment. If you're really engaging, if you can have an audience in the palm of your hand just by speaking, don't use any visuals. You don't need them. <laughs> That's not true with the general public, but with professional speakers who have a lot of experience, just the tenor of their voice, the rise and fall, the cadence, the way that they tell the story, that's compelling enough. And what happens is when you put up a visual, anything that is said like sort of goes into the background because primarily we start visual. So depending on how long it takes you to metabolize what you're reading, the speaker is going to sort of recede into the background for that period of time. So be careful about that. But before we start developing content, I have to tell you that the coaching experience uh, with me is very personal, and I never start by researching the, the person or their expertise or their content. The first thing that I'll do is I'll talk to them about their passion. And I think that's what makes a difference because it yields authenticity. Passion shows that you're really connected to yourself and what's important to you. And so first we talk about personal passion. What is it that makes you want to get up in the morning? And, like, I don't even care what it is. It's like no judgment zone, judgment-free zone. It could be your grandson. It could be golf. It could be tree frogs. I don't care. It's all about you. What's your passion? And then we talk about what you're passionate about connected to your material, what it is that you know, everything that you've written, everything that you've spoken, every class you've taken, all of that with your experience together, your passion personally, your passion about your work, your knowledge, because after all, you can ask Mr. Google anything these days. Why do we need you to deliver the message? And, well, and let's hold on that. Yeah, Haley, <laughs> let's hold on that. We're going to take one more break here, and we'll come back, and we're going to find out why do they need you. This is Judith Bryles. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing, Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com.
When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask coming up you'll hear more about statistics scenarios and strategies on what to do now to get you published so let's get back to the show and here again is your host dr judith bryles so what we're doing is we're speaking about, uh, we're talking about with the expert, the short talk expert, Haley Foster, who will be at the Author You Extravaganza, and you should be there too. There are great, great air rates going on right now to Denver, Colorado, and you want to come in like on the evening of the 6th because we start bright and early on the 7th and we end at 5 o'clock on the 9th. And Haley is speaking on, on really how to create that Ted, that short talk. And, and really, it's so critical for every author to understand this concept and what's current and the way you present yourself and go out. And Haley's got a couple of questions that she always asks her coaching uh, clients. So let's just jump into those because it really ties into when I've talked to you in the past about why you need to know how to pitch yourself and your book. So, well, that'd be Haley? great. And I, I was just talking when we left at the break about passion before preparation, because after all, there's information overload. Why do we need you to deliver this message? So a question that I ask in all of my training seminars, all of my coaching clients get this question to start. So I want you to take a moment, listen carefully, and sort of turn it around in your mind. And here it is. Out of all of your body of work, what is the one thing about which you are most passionate at this time? Out of all of your body of work, what is the one thing about which you are most passionate at this time? And what's really important about this is that, you know, you write a book, it's a couple years to get it done, and then you get it edited and you get it on the road, and 
you're, that's three years out from your original ideas. And what we want to do is make sure that whatever you're talking about in your talk is something that sizzles for you, that, that speaks from your authentic self about what's really important right now. And, and you can really tell the difference, can't you, Judith? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So if you, if, you know, I, you know, that, the obvious question, the answer to, for me personally would be authors and publishing. And that's where I drive all my attention. Now I am, I have a doctorate in business. I have um, expertise in conflict and sabotage in the female dominated workplace. I was extraordinarily passionate about that. What people, the toxicity and what they did to each other. Can you bring me in and talk me and I, could I get going and talk about? Absolutely. But my current passion really has been um, for, for the last eight years exclusively as I phase that out in the publishing arena. And it's not that I didn't talk about and do publishing-related things, you know, 30 years ago, but it wasn't the height of my passion. Dealing with toxic people was. And so. that's something we want everybody to be able to identify in their own work. For me, it's about working with smart people who have good new ideas for the good of humanity. That's my sweet spot. That's my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And That's great. Right. And, so, and part of what I learned is that strategy includes knowing who not to speak to, just like you were saying. Who mm. am I, <laughs> what am I willing to let go of? What am I willing to say no to? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because I think there's a scarcity mentality. We think if we say no, then we're going to lose something. And yes, what I find is. is that I just sort faster. That you do the it. right client is on my doorstep faster if I say no to the wrong one. Yeah, and let me let me throw out something for 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 our listeners that one of my keepers is and it's it's one of the quotes in my book Snappy Sassy Salty and it's simply this if you never say no your yeses become worthless. It is really important to know who you need to say no to so you can let those yeses just flow through to you. So, all right, what's our next question, Haley? Well, the next question I would ask, and it would depend on the audience, but mm-hmm. for this audience, I'll use book. So sometimes it's a speaker and it's talk. Sometimes it's a business owner and so it would be product. But the focus question is, tell me what your book is about in two sentences. And this is a huge challenge for so many authors. And I'm even tougher because I want you to do it in one sentence. Oh, tell <laughs> I, me about that. Why only one? I give them two. Because, because that, that they, too many authors get diarrhea of the mouth and they go on. They want to tell you how this grew out of a concept they had in a dream, you know, in the middle of the night and all that. So I tell them to imagine you're looking at a TV guide or something and they're describing the movie of the week. What one sentence do you get? And when they learn how to do that, Haley, they get succinct, they get very clear, and they use the right keywords that will then say to the listener, tell me more, which is what the response is I want. Yes, I think that's true with talks as well. And I think one of the things that happens is that uh, people are used to writing for people like themselves. And what you have to do is shift the way that you think and write and speak to people other than people like yourself, because mm. otherwise you won't ever capture any new audience. 
Well, not only that, but that really isn't what you're writing for may not be for you. It may, it may be for a totally other person. And so you have to really imagine, you know, is this person male or female or it doesn't matter? Are they married or single? Do they have certain lifestyles that could be a challenged or enhancing? Do they are they smokers? Have they been divorced? Are they like to drink? Or, you know, I come from Denver. A lot of people like marijuana. It's not my thing, but a lot of people do um, that do. What do they like to do for sport? What kind of what? Where do they work? I mean, literally, I like to say build a Bible for your your audience of what the typical one looks like. And I know as a speaker, I would always go out. I mean, I greeted people as they came in and sat down. I wasn't waiting on the stage. I was out at the door welcoming them to try to pick up little nuances so I knew who my players were, that when I was moving around in the audience, because I never stood behind any lector, and that's a foreign thing to me, that I had my connectors that would help ground me and I could accelerate from there. Well, that's very TED-like, because if you're doing a TED-style talk, there is no lectern, no podium. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Now, so what I would love to do, because you you have some... um, uh, you know, one of your things is, you know, what goes into that TED Talk? So let's say that we've, we're, we're doing a TED style, which is going to be 18 minutes or less. What are those core ingredients that a presenter has to do? So, so let me give you an update. Even though it was always kind of the tagline was the talk of your life in 18 minutes, it's really down to 15. Oh, well, even better. Okay. Okay, so, so that you know. And, in fact, I'll be going uh, heading out to... Vancouver and then Whistler, and I'll be speaking to the global TEDx organizers about how to get the most out of their speakers, and uh, that's one of the things we'll be covering is about how it's been condensed, even in the six years that I've been doing this. 18 used to be it. Now it's 15. There are many talks that only have five minutes, and in fact, if you don't believe that you can say something that's really compelling in five minutes, I have several talks that I refer people to. Uh, One of them is Rick Elias, What I Learned When My Plane Is Crashing. And Mm -hmm. he was on the plane that suddenly landed in the Hudson, and he gives an incredible talk in less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about really uh, boiling down what it is that is your essential core message. And that's the first thing that I do. So once we go through a series of questions, what I'm looking for is a single core message that can have support and resonance. That's what we're trying to do here. One core message, not ten, not three, one. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of mistakes, actually, that people make as they're constructing their talks. And so I wrote this little book that, Judith was so kind to tell you about, called Don't Tank Your TED Talk. And there was a pattern that began to emerge, and so it was irritating. And that was really the reason I wrote the book, because I was so irritated. Uh-oh. So, um, so if you'd like, I'll go through some of those. Would you let's like do, that? Let's do that, yeah. Okay. So I would say that one of the biggest mistakes that people will make is insisting on the maximum time. And just like Judith said, there will be people who are given 45 minutes who then appropriate for themselves an extra 15 minutes. Well, that would be four talks to us, right? Yes. Right? But see, longer isn't better. 
you're not necessarily going to do a better job. They're not going to walk away with a more impactful experience because it was longer. What's really important is that your talk gets the amount of time your talk needs. So you can't think about taking a keynote and trimming it backwards so they can fit it into the 18 or 15 minutes. You have to start by constructing a TED-style talk. Does that make sense? Sure. All right. So, so the the short is better, which we've said before. I know we have one more minute before our final break. So, I think that if if what we did, so if, if let's say we've got you to core, you know, you understand what that passion is. You really do know who that idea, ideal reader, that I, ideal listener, that ideal audience. And I, I think that the first thing, and I know it's one of your mistakes in your in in the uh, don't tank your TED talk, is that. I see this happen with a lot of speakers. They seem to think that they need to warm up the audience instead of coming out with pow, <laughs> which is what you have to do, I think, especially in a short talk. Right. And, in fact, um, not starting strong is what we can come back on after break. Great. Well, so that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to dig into that, and we're going to go through some of these critical elements um, of, of creating the new style of speaking today. And I think that if you can get it on your resume that you know how to do a short talk, I mean, you'd like to have that in your bio. That that in, especially if you're in the corporate world, the association world, they're going to be looking for this to hire speakers that are skilled in this area. I'm Judith Riles. With me is Haley Foster, who coaches speakers and authors in creating those short talks. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303-885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. 
Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Okay, so in our last segment, we're going to go through a few of them. She, uh, We've got 12 mistakes in her book, but we're just going to uh, touch on a few of those. That we, and we've already kissed a couple, so we're going to expand them with Haley Foster, the author of Don't Tank Your TED Talk. And and we, I, I should say, you know what, you're not going to get this on, I don't think this is available on Amazon. They have to get it through your website, do they not? Haley? It's, it's website and, and Apple products. It's in iBook. It's in iBooks. Oh, so you can go to iBooks or you can go to Haley's website, which is shorttalkexpert.com. That's shorttalkexpert.com. All right, and anyone so, who'd like to reach me can email me at Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-Y, at shorttalkexpert.com. There you go. All right, so starting strong. Um, and, and not, uh, so I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm going to turn this over to Haley, but the last thing I want to hear a speaker that I'm coaching, um, when I work with authors and starting to talk on their books is I don't want you to come in and thank them for inviting you to Duluth. Hallelujah. Um, I don't want to hear about, oh, the, you know, isn't the weather beautiful, boring, gag me. You come in and you start strong. Okay. Haley, take it from there. Okay, so one of the mistakes that people make often, and I heard uh, Judith talking about it in terms of writing as well, is not starting strong because you have to have an immediate hook, a twist, something that instantly grabs the audience and says, listen to me. And that is a mistake that people make. So one of the things that that I can give you is a couple of hints of how to construct a strong start. Sure. Uh, there's some really great examples of them online in TED Talks. One of them is Daniel Pink, who opens his talk on mastery by saying something surprising. He says, in my youth, I did something I would later live to regret. I went to law school. Right? <laughs> that, 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 that. Now, what that is doing is it is giving you a lot of information He's, he doesn't take himself seriously. He's well-educated. He pokes fun at attorneys. Uh, he's funny. He's sharp, right? So you get a lot of information in that, and it's something you don't expect him to say. You expect him to say, oh, I fell off a roof or something like that, okay? So that's one of the ways to do it. Uh, when you make an engaging comment, uh, Dr. Joel Levine, who talks about the Mars Aries flyer, says we're going to talk about 
you know, 14.9 billion years of history in 18 minutes. That's approximately X number of years per minute. It was kind of cute. It's a science talk, right? Mm-hmm. And we have uh, Brene Brown. Now, Brene Brown really got the golden ring of what can happen to a person who speaks in a TEDx event because she talked at TEDx Houston, and her talk went to 430,000 views on YouTube before TED picked it up. TED picked it up, went over a million views. They invited her to speak. She did a talk on shame. The beginning of her talk on shame, she does something really smart. She uses self-disclosure. Okay, she's a vulnerability expert. Perfect. And she says something funny. She says, the day after my TEDx Houston talk, I woke up with the biggest vulnerability hangover of my life. Another opening that gives you all kinds of information in one sentence, self-disclosure, disclosure. you've got her expertise, you know that she's been a TEDx speaker. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, you can get a lot of information in that first sentence to really grab the attention of your listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, which is very important. Okay, so the the coming out with with something besides mundane is what we're saying, and and, and I think that um, putting yourself vulnerable. I actually used to start with a, 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 I usually started with a story, one of my own stories, and a fun story, and then it always was a factor of who my audience was. Now, the story I'm going to mention to you, I'm not going to tell it because we don't have time, because um, it takes four and a half minutes. But that it was by the way is a whole talk. Exactly. And but but I guess that could be a whole story because I I I know how I could close it up. Yeah. Right. So there are Ted style talks that the story is the talk. Exactly. And this this what happened is that I was at a gig and I go through this deal. I had just passed a big birthday. It was a four oh my daughters had did the stuff, but the reality is I was stepped out of the car to go make the presentation and my underwear fell off. All right. So I build <laughs> the whole thing around that. And then I rehook it because the book I'm talking about is my book called The Confidence Factor. You know, and, and one of the taglines I would bring in is sometimes we lose our confidence and we drop it on the pavement of life. And what we have to make a decision is, do we step over and keep moving on or do we struggle and keep trying to pull it up, realizing it, it doesn't fit in the first place? And, you know, you can do things with that. Um, that's adorable. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank well, because it gives you a visual. See, that's part yeah. of what's oh, really yes. important. Is oh, it yes. engages more of your senses. I'm, not, I'm Now I have a picture in my yeah. mind of you stepping out of the car, the panties falling down. Oh my dear, I have to go to this presentation. It's it's extraordinary. Oh, and it but and it goes on. But the thing is, I actually got help choreographing that. So I did the visuals. You see, I became the. I didn't need any backdrop. I was the visual. You saw me stepping out of the car. You saw me moving. You know, from sitting the position into a you know a quasi sitting into a fully erect position. I had sound effects as they went. And they fell off. I did, I did all kinds of stuff. But that's what you do to open up a talk, something that will grab them that they don't expect. Agreed. So, all right. What's so some one of the, of the things uh, that, that comes to mind, uh, Ben, would be that that is something that 
even though it happened some time ago, it's still fresh to you. And even when you tell it now, it's not tired. And you never want to use tired material. And so you have to dig deep for your new idea or your unfamiliar twist on a familiar idea, something that will be fresh. Which is important. The freshness is in. And um, one of the ways that you can keep things fresh is, you know, the term newsjacking. There is all kinds of information going on all the time that you could take an old story an old starting, and there may be something just circulating down, uh, you know, around in the in the, the cyber world or on, you know, the blank TV that everyone is seeing that you could loop into quite easily and perk well, it and up. Also, uh, you have to let down your resistance to being vulnerable and be willing to open up to what you don't know and let go of where you are so you can go to a new place. And that's scary for people. But in oh, order very, to stay it, relevant, yeah. you have to do it. And and I have to share with you. And well, I won't talk about my underwear anymore. But for five <laughs> years, for five years, I I couldn't tell anyone that happened. And if anyone called me from Seattle, which is where it happened, to ask me to speak, I always said, "Oh, I'm, I'd love to do it, but I'm already booked." Because my fear was everyone knew I lost my underwear in Seattle, and I how could I possibly go back to that town? Now I tell everybody, but those things do happen. Well, you might also, you know, it's, it's one of the cautionary things is uh, using other people's tired material. Uh, we were talking oh, about a situation you. that you, you have to tell yeah. them this story. It's so funny. Well, I, I, what I told Haley is, I mean, one of the things, there's, there's two things that bore me very quickly. People who can't tell jokes and they do it badly. Because I, I think jokes usually fall flat in a presentation. Um, stories hook people on because you can develop those visuals and you can have fun with them. And usually there's a truism to them where we all know a joke's a joke. And I've also seen gender issues where men seem to do a better job at telling jokes than women. With that said, I was, uh, I was at a conference not too long ago and the first three words came out of this the, the speaker's mouth and I turned to my friend and he says I know what story he's told me and I heard that over 30 years ago and by God it was almost word for word the story which he told is his story but I knew it wasn't his story word for word about getting bad news and how it needed to be set up and you, you know you could instead of telling you know mom's died you might want to stay you know the cat's on the roof and the, the oh, you know the it's falling story exactly I know that story exactly and and i you know the first three words opened it up so don't do anyway. that people <laughs> yeah don't do it and in fact what what both Haley and i are telling you is if you're going to do stories make them your stories tell your own stories we all have stories if you start thinking about it that you can use i mean i at one time i ran into the butt of an elephant you know i didn't all of a sudden it just dropped in don't you remember the time we were in vegas mom my my daughter you ran into the elephant i started using that in dealing with conflict resolution you know it was way fun it was my story so use your own stuff and, and if you have trouble figuring out what that is, there's a couple of things you can do. One is you can keep a journal. So people used to do this on paper. I do everything on my iPhone now, I have to say. So I have a notes section of my iPhone. And when something happens that's kind of noteworthy, it's funny, it's poignant, whatever, I just take a note on it. And I will lean on my colleagues because sometimes you can't see the label when you're in the jar. And it <laughs> takes somebody else to help you to craft that. 
<laughs> what a great phrase. I have to I have to write that one down, Haley. You can't okay, see you can people use it. As long as you tell them where you got it from. <laughs> if I but can it's remember. true. I mean, because you can't see for yourself sometimes the the um, the poignant message or the funniest aspect. You just knew that it was something important or it was noteworthy. And working exactly. with somebody else, yeah. and that's why I think you know, getting a book writing coach, getting a speaker coach is really helpful because it's a collaborative process that we help to extract from you what you don't know is in there. And, and with that, it. yeah, and with that, we're going to have to close. We This hour has whizzed by. Um, with me has been the fabulous Haley Foster. Come meet her, come hear her, come get some coaching tips and learn all about how to create a short talk out of your book that will just grow your speaking career if you didn't know you had one exponentially. I'm Judith Riles. It's also you, your guide to, to book publishing. And thank you, Haley, for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week, a variety